had were completely <laughs> different. Right. The way the people communicated were completely different. So be on top of all these changes and when where the money is going, where the investment is going, and the way that people are communicating at this time, it's key. Mm -hmm. uh, because what do you learn in a university and you can be in the best university in the world? Right. It's probably not what's happening in the real world because yeah. like things are changing every single day. So even mm -hmm. if they want to keep on top of everything in any university, you will be probably unupdated in the day one. We'll start. Right. Uh, Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today I, I'm here with Diogo, all the way from, I would say, you know, in my defense, very warm Orlando. <laughs> how's, uh, how's everything going? How are you? It's for, for us a freezing Orlando, and thanks for having me. I'm very excited to, to talk a little bit about what we do here with you. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, as a Norwegian, you know, I think every uh, every place is, you know, warmer <laughs> warmer than here. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I can't imagine. I know, I, I know you're Brazilian, too. So where in Brazil are you from, by the way? Like, we didn't uh, talk about that pre-podcast. I kind of, like, just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I am from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Right. Uh, my family came from Europe after the war, but I grew up in Sao Paulo. I was born there. There you go. I mean, like I, I heard, of course, like it's, it's a little bit warmer in in Rio, but Sao Paulo is, is pretty good as well, as far as I understand. Yeah, no, the weather in Rio is much better than Sao Paulo, but Sao Paulo, I do think, for my taste, is a is a <laughs> nice city to live. More right. cosmopolitan. We have everything. Yeah. So I, I, I love to live in Sao Paulo and I'm, right. I'm loving to live here in Central Florida too. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I heard like Sao Paulo is more like of a business, you know, kind of city and, and that kind of thing. But uh, we're here obviously to talk about, you know, your experience in the sport industry, a little bit about obviously what you're doing at Orlando City SC and, and sort of like some tips and stuff that you have along the way. And I just wanted to kind of like start first and foremost off with like, you know, just, just take us a little bit through like how your journey started in the sport industry. Just, how did it all start and lead us a little bit up to where you are today? Yeah, my journey with sports started when I tried to quit my job. Right. I was working for one of the biggest uh, PR agencies in Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, not very happy with what, what I was doing at that time. I was very corporate-like work. Right. I was not like pretty happy. I wanted to change and I, I went to talk to my boss. And I told him, hey, I want to quit. I'm too young to do what I'm doing here. If I don't change my life at this time, I will probably not having uh, this facility of like changing it right. as I'm, I'm having now. Right. Uh, my life will change. I will get married. I will have kids. And I, I will never be able to do it in the way I can do it now. Yeah. And then he told me, hey, I don't think it's the best time to do it because we just closed a deal with a beverage company. And they will sponsor the Brazilian national team. And I, I was thinking about you to take care of this contract. So I would take everything you are doing out of you. And I will allow you to go and work with the national team and do like communications between this company and the Brazilian national team. Right. And then I told him, of course, forget about everything. I want this <laughs> job. So I want to quit everything I'm doing here. So I started in sports quitting my own job and being rehired at the same time. <laughs> and then I worked with the national team for a couple of years, like right. for four years, Yeah, uh, been uh, working with this company. And then I moved to work with the beverage company that was uh, sponsoring the team uh -huh. for more two years. 
Okay. And then I quit this job because it was already too much, like too much travels, too much everything. Right. And I was doing the same thing for yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah. And then I opened my own uh, communication and marketing sport agency in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, nice. with three more partners. And then after four years, I sold my part and I started to work by myself, uh, working together with some big players as Kaká, Roberto Carlos, nice. uh, Cafu and many other big Brazilian players. Yeah. And then in 2010, Octagon came back to Brazil as a company. Mm -hmm. And my former boss, the, the, the guy who was working with me on that beverage company right. that sponsored the, the Brazilian right. national team, he, was, he became the Octagon's president in Brazil. Ah. And then he, uh, he hired me to go be the head of communications for Octagon Brazil. And I did this job for more four years. And then the, the Orlando City project is started at Octagon Brazil when right. our client uh, wanted to invest in American soccer and we, we helped him with the project. Mm -hmm. And then when like the project became a reality, my boss uh, came to work here as a CAO at that time. Right. And he invited me to come with, he, with him at that time. Right. And then I, I, I came here when like we started playing in 2000, December 2014. Yeah, and now I'm here for like almost like more than seven years. <laughs> what a story, though! I mean, like it's it's quite interesting. And I, I, again, like I always have like this saying that everything happens for a reason, you know. And it, it's interesting, kind of like how you just brought up that where like you're about to go out, and then this you know contract comes in, and it's just like you know puts you in the direction of you know kind of like where you wanted to go, anyways, right? And and, uh, and yeah, it's it's quite interesting, you know. To yeah, of course, it was a very short way of telling the whole story. Right, right, no, for sure. But yes, everything happened. Like, like you know, the, the little pieces here and there, of course. And uh, I'd yeah. like if we were gonna go through everything, it would be a very long podcast. <laughs> sure, it would be a lot of cool stuff. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it's a very cool story, and uh, we have to, of course, like touch a little bit upon your, uh, you know, I guess entrepreneurial story when we're going a little bit further into the podcast, but. Uh, obviously now you're you're the senior VP of communications at Orlando City SC and and I wanted to like you know just if you can lay down and break down a little bit of like what are some of your key responsibilities and tasks then I think that would be great for those that are like okay well, what is what exactly does that uh, entail uh, in our department here we have three verticals so I take care of the traditional PR mm -hmm. all the PR for both teams so we have the Orlando City team and Orlando Pride with our humans team yeah yeah. Uh, digital and content and video production and broadcast so we have mm. three verticals in my team right. uh, so we take care of the whole orlando city tv all the games we broadcast is it's it's below me too everything you see on social with our brand we do mm. it uh, in home so we don't hire uh, third parties everything you see right. with our brand it's been like we do here in our state with our crew yeah and uh all the the, the pr and then the, the digital uh department for both teams uh all the social media content we do uh in-house too so That's it's awesome. a very busy day yeah so with many different verticals and and, and right. things happening around both clubs yeah. but it's very exciting because everything that go that happens with the team like comes to our department and it's our uh, job to get the fans excited about everything that's happening around the club. So it's a it's a very cool job, a very busy job, uh, and like it's it it's nice to see how it grew through the time since we arrived here. 
now with like after seven years. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine. And obviously you talked a little bit about like just kind of like that you do everything in-house, which is obviously, you know, very, very, you know, demanding in a sense, but also, you know, gives you uh, an essence of control. Uh, could you tell a little bit about like why you did, why you guys decided to go sort of like in, in that in-house approach from, from your Yeah, side? because like we, like we saw it very quickly that no one else could do and talk to our fans in the way we do. So if you don't right. have one 24 seven approach, um, deeply knowing your fan and the difference between both fans, because the, like the Orlando Pride, the Orlando City fans, they are completely different mm -hmm. uh, people and, and, and right. the way they consume content, uh, that would be impossible for us to outsource it. So it wouldn't look legit. It yeah. wouldn't look organic and we would, it would not be on brand with everything that we wanted for the club. Mm -hmm. So we are here in Orlando. It's a very like it's an international city with many tourists. Uh, right. People who lives here, they came from all like many places around uh, the globe. And what was missing here in Orlando was a team that could represent Orlando, not right, a team who right. represent what Orlando is well known. As the mm -hmm. Magic does really well and doesn't have anything wrong with that. But they are the magic, they are Disney, they want to sell and they want to engage with them, everything that's happening in Orlando. Right. Uh, our approach was to represent what Orlando really, really is. Right. And then the best way of doing that was be doing it very organically and without in having people doing that the whole day, thinking about it would be possible. So no, that was the, the thinking about like behind the strategy. Right. I, th I think it makes a lot of sense, though, because you're having much more of a, you know, community local approach to it. And so hence, like, you know, it wouldn't make sense to go on a, um, out, out of house experience. Right. Because like, who's better to tell the story than, you know, the people that are there. Right. And that can relate the most to them. So that makes makes a lot of sense. But obviously, you know, being part of like, I guess, the sense, the growth of the MLS and working with your Orlando's. Orlando City SC for the last, you know, seven years. Um, I guess, like, you know, what kind of key moments and decisions over the last years have you seen, you know, that have kind of been vital, not only for, you know, Orlando City SC's growth, but for the MLS as well? Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable how the league grew in seven years. Mm -hmm. So it, when we arrived here was like the ending of the big players era. Uh, yeah. in MLS. So they started with very old guys, like during the 90s, bring all the guys that was already retired, brought to US to give some excitement to the yeah. fans, yeah. combined with some American uh, uh, players, some Mexican players. So it was very successful at the time they needed to grow. Mm -hmm. And then it started what we call the Beckham era, when they brought David Beckham to US. Mm -hmm. And all the other teams started to invest in with like big names, big players. Mm. So we brought Kaká, New York City FC brought Lampard, Je uh, uh, the Spanish guy, like, the, yeah, yeah. like uh, I don't remember uh, <laughs> uh, his name, like Jared came to uh, to the Galax and Pirlo went to New York City FC with David Villa is the guy who like New yeah, York City yeah, FC yeah, brought yeah. to uh, a couple of years ago. So they uh, and it, it was already like, again, very successful era when the MLS grew a lot and grow uh, around the globe, became famous around the globe too and around the right. US. So the fan yeah. base grew too. 
And then we started this era when we started to invest in academy players. Mm-hmm. So like huge investment in every single academy and every single team. Yeah. And it's starting to bring young prospects from, from South America and from different parts of the, uh, right. the globe. Right. And, and now we are more organically growing and it's starting to selling players to Europe too. So it is, it, it's unbelievable how the investment and the league grew in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now like we are like already one of the biggest uh, leagues in the world. And we have so much space to grow inside US and For inside sure. the globe that I'm, I'm pretty sure that probably after the, the second FIFA World Cup that we will host here in 2026, mm-hmm. uh, MLS will be already one of the biggest leagues in the, in the globe for sure. It's a very interesting, you know, timeline ahead. And, and also you were talking about, you know, the different kind of stages and where you are not, where you are kind of like now. And I guess like, how, how would you say that has impacted, you know, Orlando cities and your job in, in sort of like going through these kind of stages and making sure that, you know, that the communication is aligned in, tor- in terms of like who you want to, um, you know, represent in terms of like the local community and also like making sure that, okay, we get that global, you know, touch that the MLS is, you know, trying to, to bring out here. Yeah, the, the beautiful working in this environment here is we don't have the political component. So we have owners, the owners, the league belongs to the owners. Right. So everything we can do here, it's with a long time strategy. Right. So this, like everything that happened in the past and everything that will happen in the future, we already know, we can control it. Of course, mm-hmm. here and there, there is new yeah. things that pops up every single league. Right. And this sense is the same, but here in MLS, as we don't have any political component and the owners will normally stay with the club for a, a very long time, if not forever, uh, we can think about these strategies for one year, three years, five years, and 10 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we, we, we can have these eras when we grow organically the, the whole league and we are moving forward in a, in a very like combined and in a league way. Yeah. That's not very likely to happen in different markets because with the political component, we are always trying to survive and stay in your own job. <laughs> so the election comes, if they change the, the, the president, they will probably change you too. So right. people don't think with that long range. And I mm-hmm. do think the beauty of having a league like MLS is the possibility of the teams and every single department of every single teams can think about like long time strategy. So right. that's why I think that the success of the league, it's majorly because of it. Right. I think that makes all that makes a lot of sense. I guess like one of the key challenges though that I guess the, the MLS or that is being, I guess, in a sense, uh, mentioned a lot outside is sort of like the aspect of, you know, increasing the, the amount of teams in the MLS like too fast and too many at once. Uh, how, I guess, like, you know, what is, what is your take on, on this? And, and sort of like, obviously, I guess like it, I understand like, you know, it's a, it's a same strategy. We're all on the same page here and, and sort of like where we want to go, but, but how do you see sort of like that, I guess, impacting your, um, your job as well in your role? Yeah, I, I really don't see it as a, as a problem. Uh, I think there is an opportunity here in the US yeah. where so many cities with so many good ownership groups mm-hmm. wanting to have, like to invest in sports and investing in soccer. Why don't take advantage and grow it locally 
then allow those people uh, investing abroad. Yeah, uh, it's happening. So Americans are buying club all around the club. Uh, they yeah. are very excited about the game. They are seeing the value of the game. So everybody knew when the like the biggest sports in the world hit the biggest market in the world, <laughs> it would become something great. And right. I do think that MLS is just trying to take advantage advantage of it and, and yeah. grow and grow as fast as uh, it can like with uh, the resources that are available now. So, but if you check, so all the, all the projects are very well done. Uh-huh. It's very like MLS had some struggles in the past with new yeah. franchise that w- weren't successful, even closing. So yeah. you don't, you are not seeing that for a long time. So every right. single project that games are being successful. So it's, yeah. I, I think it's proven that they were right and they are just taking that it was fast because the like the resources were available right but uh, but i think that's a valid point though i mean like you already touched upon sort of like the market size that that lays there and the potential you know that soccer and the mls has in the us with like their audience and, and things coming up so it's it's I, i'm sure mls has learned a lot of you know good good and valuable steps you know along the way on like you know making sure that you know the the regulations and and the processes of you know becoming an mls teams you know are, are, are well you know, contain. Uh, but I wanted to go a little bit back, I guess, in a sense, from your time at, you know, Octagon, your time, you know, being like more entrepreneurial, having your own company and, and going through these stages. And what, what were some of like the lessons that you, 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 you know, learned during that process that you brought with you into your role at Orlando City SE? Um, I was fortunate enough to start my sports career working at a very high level with the national team. Mm. So I could see what like high level soccer uh, was at right. a very young age. And I, I, I was so fortunate enough to working with people, not clubs in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I work with the players a uh, majority of the time with big yeah. players. And I could understand what what takes to make a good team and what takes to what what what's this game is about so it's about the, the people who does the game mm-hmm. uh, so that my 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 best lesson I I, I I could take to my whole career is like understanding the players understanding what they do understand how they live mm-hmm. it's extremely important on how we will communicate it to the fans because at the end of the day the fans they engage with the players yeah. Uh, yeah they engage with the clubs the traditional clubs of course when you grow up in an environment where there is a very like important club it's part of your own culture too mm-hmm. but the majority of the thing the majority of the time so you connect with the guys we will connect with the players so i do think my best lesson was since the beginning uh being able to understand them and how they engage and and, and communicate it to the fans and when the fans got this message was for me was pretty easy to uh to to do the connections build mm-hmm. engagement and grow the like the, the club so yeah that was my big lesson since the beginning I, th- I think there's a really valid valid point that you're bringing up too is like you know at the end of the day your biggest resource and especially looking at it from a club level is, is the players right because that's mm-hmm. that's what the fans are you know wants to see and wants to communicate with and i guess like you know true you know your seven years as well at orlando like obviously technology has you know <laughs> changed a lot and I, I guess like you know what are what are some of the ways that 
you know, you have been, you know, utilizing this new technology alongside with, you know, making sure that you are telling that, you know, the best player story for your community and building that sort of like attachment and, and understanding that, okay, here's the best way we can, you know, help help the players, but also like making sure that the fans around it, you know, get what they want. Mm -hmm. I think the, the best way of leading people nowadays is, is to listen to them. Right. And as we have a very young uh, crew here in, uh, with our team, I learn a lot with them every single right. day and, uh, and learning how to be on top of everything that's happening in the world because they work for us. They are, they are young people. They are, they, if they were, wouldn't have been working for us, they would be our fans. Yeah. Uh, I have four kids myself, so I have um, my folks group inside my house <laughs> too, where I can learn how young people right. deal with technology. So uh, you have to know that you don't know anything to be in my job. So it's like every single day is completely different. Everything changes in the world very quickly. So right. everything that was working for us one year ago probably is not working for us anymore. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn and be on top of everything every single day. So this is the, the beauty of my job too. Right. And with the COVID pandemic, so everything changes yeah. so much <laughs> in a very short amount of time. And we yeah. have to deal with so many things uh, that we were not used to. Right. That I do think the whole world learned how to do things differently in a very like fast way. This is our job since the beginning. So we, we, we always had to learn how to do things in a different way since yeah. the beginning. So I do think like, uh, like being a leader in this, for this organization and in this business, soccer, um, any sports around the world, right. is having this mindset that you, you know nothing. Yeah. Like what you know today, you have to learn a different thing for tomorrow. Otherwise you'll be unupdated mm. and it won't be doing your job in the best way. I think that's a really, you know, excellent point in terms of what you're, what you're bringing up here. And I think it also showcases like, you know, the, the lot of, you know, a, what kind of potential that are in, you know, the industry for the upcoming generation, right? Because one of their biggest advantages is like, okay, you know, you know, perhaps different kind of technology, a different kind of, you know, um, aspect to it, like way faster than, than the people in our industry as today. But it's also, you know, it's very important to ensure that that what you are talking about here is that of course you're bringing in these kind of you know talented people that understand it, but you're you're always making sure that okay you have to be on your toes because if you're not on your toes you know you're gonna again what what worked you know a year ago it's not gonna work now so like always adapting and changing you know to the the what is happening in the industry in the world as well with the with the pandemic and um one of the obviously you know go a little bit back to, to last year when uh, Orlando Pride, obviously the, the women's team that you guys have, uh, became the social media team of the year. And I wanted to like just talk a bit about like what were some of the key initiatives that you were doing in order to, you know, achieve this goal and, and get that award. Yeah, for those who doesn't know, uh, like the SBJ award is like the Academy Award for yeah. sports marketing. So it's, the, it's probably the most respectful prize uh, in the world. Uh, in the uh, sports marketing uh, uh, more, uh, like job, mm -hmm. uh, and like we, it was possible for us because like we, we, we like we, when the, the, the COVID pandemic started. I do think we we did have like a big meeting with the whole club, and I did a big meeting with my crew. 
making them understand what we we needed to do. All right. And what we needed to do was three big pillars. Mm -hmm. We want to keep being sustainable for the club because we wanted to keep the jobs. Right. Uh, the teams were not playing, so everything was us. We like the whole club was relying on us to right. sell and deliver to the sponsors. So content yeah. was like, if content is the king, <laughs> at that time, content was the only king. Right. Uh, we don't have anything else to sell than our own content. So we had yeah. to build very quickly many things to deliver to the sponsor in order to keep the sustainability. Right. Uh, we had to keep our fans entertaining because everybody was home. We were in the middle of a lockdown. People were were being like crazy all the <laughs> time and sports played a very important role at that time so right. we, we needed to keep them entertaining <laughs> and the, the third pillar was community 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 uh, mm. a team will only grow when they embrace and are embraced by the community if the community don't feel that that team belongs to them mm. and are not part of them deeply they will never buy you Right. You'll be always around, but in the end of the day, nobody will engage with you or just a small amount of people will engage with you. Sure. So we took this not, not, not as an opportunity because there is nothing positive with the COVID pandemic. We lost so many people that I, I, I hate when people say, that right, this is some positive with the pandemic. There is nothing positive with the pandemic, but the, we, we could do it. So, uh, and then we, we start to, to do every day a new brainstorm on how we can do it better for our community, how we can do better to engage our fans. And we came out with many uh, new ideas. Then uh, we had the opportunity of uh, going back playing with the Pride. So there was a competition. Uh, they called the Challenge Cup where all the teams went, we went for a, to a bubble. Mm -hmm. in uh, Utah mm -hmm. to, to start playing again. And then, okay, we will have opportunity to have some games and not having to deliver everything. Right. On that week, uh, COVID hit us hard. So we had nine players positive uh, and we couldn't go to the, to the bubble. We were the only team who didn't went to the, to the bubble. No. And then we created one strategy that we call the Stan account when we supported every single team of the tournament without playing. So yeah. we are doing content, we are doing engagement fans with every single club. Yeah. And we, we put a vote one day before every single match, who we would support on that match mm. on the day before. Yeah. And we really supported the team. We did like, we, we interviewed the players, we engaged with the fans, we built content with the team. So we really support them. Right. Uh, on that day, and then we moving forward to every single other game with yeah. all the votations, everything we did for this amount of competition. Mm -hmm. That in the end of the competition, we had three times more engagement and reach than all the other clubs combined. Wow! <laughs> uh, so our result on social media, with everything we did and everything that we delivered, was three yeah. times bigger than everybody else. And we are not playing. <laughs> so then we submitted this case to SPJ and we were fortunate enough to, to win like the social media team of the year with that uh, case where we, we did three times more than everybody else not playing the, the competition. So that, that's a really impressive. Congrat congratulations. Congratulations. 
You know, that's that's a really cool. Uh, it was a team effort, uh, oh, yeah. and like they were so engaged and they did it so well that if you go back to our account at that time, it's, it's so fun to watch everything that we created supporting other teams. And I mean, like, every single fan became our fan too because right. we were supporting them in some way. Right, because you uh, were supporting their nice teams, team. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was very like out of the box. So right. having to, to, to stand for a different club, like in clubs that are, are our competitors during right. the, the season. But I think like the, the whole environment with the pandemic mm-hmm. like made it possible for our fans to understand it and engage right. in this initiative too. Yeah. It was funny because our fans started to stand that team that you are uh, cheering on that day too. So it was a very like beautiful moment for everybody. And we are fortunate to have the result in the end of it. 100%. And I think, you know, as, as you were talking about is that, you know, that the this initiative, of course, and you as a team itself couldn't be able to, you know, be there and play. And you kind of like, you know, took the entire teams that were there and, and sort of like capitalizing, utilizing it, but also created that, you know, in, in, in this difficult times sort or of like, okay, that everyone is in this together kind of situation. I think that's, you know, very key factor as you were talking about of like, okay, how do we, you know, bring in the community factor here, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we all love soccer. You want to, you know, make the best out of it. And we're trying to, you know, at least be supportive. We can't be there, you know, and the, and then winning those games, at least we'll be there and, and support, you know, the other teams that are there. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we, we didn't do it to win any, to win any prize. We did right. it no, thinking sure. about these three pillars yeah. and we could deliver it. So we, yeah. like, without the engagement we got, we, like, we, we gave back to our sponsors much more than they would have uh, in a normal competition. We, yeah. int- we, we keep entertaining our fans and we did so many community related actions during that, like with that engagement we had with our fans yeah. that we could deliver everything that we wanted. And like the price was just like the, oh, of the top of the cake. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Like, no, it's, it's, it's a great, great being acknowledged at least for, for the work that you are doing. And it's cool to see it kind of like that out of the box results. And, and that also just goes back how important it is to, you know, just be able to, to think on your feet because I, I would assume like that as you were saying that 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 message that okay no we like our team is not going after all and that's literally right before you know the the, the tournament is going to take place um and why don't you just i guess in a sense when we're here starting to sort of like wrap up a little bit i wanted to just you know if you could lay down and break down a little bit some of the you know, tips that you have, you know, for, for students, you know, looking for a career in the sport industry and, you know, perhaps working for an MLS team one day. And I wanted to, you know, maybe divide it into two where, where obviously, you know, just, just from a general level, what kind of tips do you have? And for those after kind of like, if you want to go more for communication, you know, PR, social media kind of route, what, what sort of like key things should they focus on? I think like to work with sports, you have, First of all, you, you you need to deeply love sports. Right. You have to be a sports person. You don't have yeah. to be good in any sports. I'm yeah, not yeah. good in any sports, uh, but you have to love like the game to be able to to pay what it takes to work in this uh, marketing. It's not a easy. Uh, it's not an easy, easy job, 100%. and you have to really love it to to, to enjoy it and to, yeah. to, to 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 give your best to it. I have to be like in like every single job is the same and on this stage, but you have to keep learning uh, forever. 
So you can't stop learning. Otherwise, you'll be, um, like, as I said before, unupdated and you won't be doing your job really well. Yeah. You have to be very proactive. Uh, so we, you have to like to, to work a lot. You have to, to be on top of everything. You have to run the extra mile. It's a very competitive environment Absolutely. and people really appreciate it and build your network. Right. This is the, one of the most important since the beginning. So mm -hmm. it's not because you, you are in the best university. It's not because you have the best resources. It's not oh, because yeah. you were born in a country with many sports clubs that you, you will succeed. You will succeed because you will work hard and you will meet people and you, people will know as talented you are and as hard worker you are. And then you grow through this network because everybody knows each other in the sports right, world. Right, right. And it's extremely important to any like anybody who wants to, to move and work with sports or mm -hmm. in a university and wants to start like building our network and like being having our own like personal brand. Uh, it's extremely important in this business. For sure. No, there's the, it's, a, it's some really good advice you're bringing up here. And, and you know, it's all like some valid you know points of like how hard it is you know what it what it takes and like what are some of the steps that you have to do if, if you want to narrow it down a little bit though from like those that are you know perhaps wanting to like try to go more on the communication side of things and so like in your team you know maybe one day you know at working with communication like what what, what advice would you give for them in terms of like starting point like things that they should keep an eye on perhaps you know some trends that they should focus on I, I think they have to be on top of all the changes that are happening in the communication environment. Mm -hmm. So when I started working with sport and when I started working my career, like the right. communications environment and the tools we had were completely <laughs> different. Right. The way the people communicated were completely different. So be on top of all these changes and when, where the money is going, where the investment is going, and the way that people are communicating at this time, it's key. Mm -hmm. uh, because what do you learn in a university and you can be in the best university in the world, right. it's probably not what's happening in the real world because yeah. like things are changing every single day. So even mm -hmm. if they want to keep on top of everything in any university, you will be probably unupdated in the day one, will start right. uh, any job. So understanding that and being on top of everything, seeing all the best cases in the world, keeping studying, keeping looking, keeping knowing the change, and again, it's not because something is doing well now, it will keep doing well in the future. Uh, it's, it's very important. So talk to people younger than you, keep on, on uh, like seeing how people communicate mm -hmm. because like what we do is just sending this message to this person. Mm -hmm. If we don't do how people engage, you won't be able to do this simple task that sending this message yeah. to this person. Uh, it's... It's just being updated the whole time. And like, I think this is the best way of like keeping doing what we uh, we do here. Mm -hmm. And like being like, it's a, it's as I said in the beginning too, it's a people's uh, job. Right. So knowing people, liking people, engaging with people, this is what we do here. When we love what you do and when you love how to engage people, Communicating with them is like, there is so many different ways of doing that. But if you know really what takes to people engage with something, it's easy to like to just connect the new tools on them. 
Well, Diogo, I would uh, I would like to thank you, you know, so much for uh, sharing your tips and insights with us today, and for for taking the time as well. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you part of this. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for for having me. And if anybody wants any any tip, anybody wants to know anything more, just like I, I am on Twitter, I am on LinkedIn. Just find me, and I I love to talk to everybody and and help in the way I can. Awesome. And then, uh, you know, you can uh, create your Sporting Global account as well. So there's a lot of young and upcoming, you know, industry leaders there that are trying to find their careers so they can connect with you there as well. Um, I will. Awesome. Awesome. And we're, we're looking forward to see you there. And I have, uh, I guess, in a sense, like one final uh, tradition that we're doing here at the Sporting Global podcast. You might be aware of it, but if not, I have to teach you a little bit Norwegian before we end up. <laughs> I'll try. I'm good with language. I speak several languages, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be fine. <laughs> but it's like a fun tradition we do on like every episode, you know, as a way to, you know, keep it, you know, at the end of the day, we're a Norwegian, Norwegian company. Um, yeah, so with every video we do, we always finish with Visnakkes, which means see you later in Norwegian. So that's what you have to say. Say it again. Visnakkes. V snuckest. There you go. You're practically Norwegian. Perfect. <laughs> I would love to. I love your country. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Diogo. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you once again for taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>